One of the standout cars that I was really looking forward to catching up with here at World Time Attack Challenge 2023 is Mike Burrow's Ferrari, his Honda-powered Ferrari specifically. Welcome to High Performance Academy's Tuned In Field Report podcast series. In these special midweek episodes, we look back through our archives to find the best conversations we've had through years worth of attending the best automotive events across the globe. We've pulled the audio from these tech-filled interviews with some of the industry's most well-known figures and presented it in podcast format for you to enjoy as a quick hit of insider knowledge. Now, Mike... This has been a build that's taken a fair amount of time and I know that you didn't get a lot of time to actually shake it down and really get on top of it stateside before you had to ship out. How much testing did you actually get done? So we got two test sessions in, maybe a cumulative 15 laps in total. I mean, it was a half day and a half day, so very minimal time. It was basically the bare minimum to ensure we could come here and turn laps successfully. And so far, the cars felt awesome. I mean, we we did some dyno sessions yesterday at Haltech. They said the car is running beautifully, really happy with it. Car just felt awesome in our first test session. I mean, I couldn't ask for anything more. Even if even if from this point forward it went in the dumpster, I'd be happy. Well, let's not put it in the dumpster just yet. I know there's a bunch of people who still want to see it run. Let's just go back to the, the testing you did stateside first because this is a car that essentially every component on it has been hand-built by you. And I think a lot of people would expect, you know, you take the car, roll it out of the trailer, it hits the track and everything just goes perfectly. That's not always the case. There's usually almost always some teething problems, gremlins, things that you didn't even know you don't know. What did you strike when you hit the track for the first time? You know, we ran into a handful of just... Same, yeah, teething problems. We lost one of our kind of intake clamp couplers on our first track day that cut it short. But otherwise, the car was, you know, happy. It was balanced. It was neutral. Nothing that really reared its ugly head where it was like, oh, man, we really messed that up. And the same thing with the second day. Really, the biggest issue we encountered on day two out at Horse Thief Mile, which is at Willow Springs, was realizing that the brake bias was just not set correctly. The rear end was locking up early. We tried to run the bias all the way to the front and was still just, it would lock up at the back just a, just a smidge before. So the first thing we did when we got here was to swap the rear brake pads to a just slightly less aggressive compound. And the car feels great now. I mean, when it comes to brake bias, I don't want to go too deep on this, but you've got the, the bias adjustment, which most people think does everything, but there's also the actual mechanical bias itself between the size of the master cylinder front and rear, and also, as you mentioned, pad compound. Do you need to go down the path of maybe making a swap to a different size master cylinder in the pedal box as well? I think right now it feels good if it continues to kind of not have issues, if it feels like the balance as I get further and further into the brakes here at the track this weekend, if it feels good, I'm not going to make any changes. It feels like we're in the neighborhood. When we spec the brakes for the car with AP Racing, they were really helpful in deciding exactly what size brakes to put on the car. And then they took all of the information I gave them in terms of, you know, not only the weight bias of the car and the aero load it was going to, you know, generate, what tires we were going to put on it, what pedal box was in it, et cetera, and really helped us spec the right master cylinders for the car. And I think that's probably part of the reason why we're not really having much brake issues right out of the box. I'm just interested in your approach here as well. 15 laps, two half days of testing. It's not a lot. You've got so much adjustability on just about every component of the car in terms of the suspension. So what's the approach sort of, you don't want to go out and necessarily immediately start making changes until you're actually comfortable and understand what the car's doing. So how have you approached that? 
I think there's kind of a golden rule of don't make too many changes at once. And so just trying to follow that, work my way up to the limit of the car. I mean, this is way more car than I'm realistically capable of utilizing. I mean, I can drive it, I'm comfortable in it, but somebody a lot faster than me could pull a hell of a lot more time out of the car, no question. So slowly working my way up to the limit of the car, finding where the problems are going to lie and kind of where those issues are going to rear their head, you know? So I think as long as I'm careful and I'm slow and methodical in getting to that limit, I'll be able to make changes slowly and not kind of run into issues like trying to fix a bunch of problems at once. Let's talk about the build-up to World Time Attack. Obviously, again, short amount of testing back home before it went in a container. How have you gone about learning Eastern Creek here in Sydney in terms of a track so that you're not spending your entire time here just finding your way around? So I did a lot of simulator time on Assetto Corsa. I found a really good, kind of seems like the status quo, the the model everybody's using for you know testing and, and whatnot in the sim. I built a simulator specifically to prep for this because I knew, hey, if I'm going to go to Australia and run around Eastern Creek or Sydney Motorsports Park, I've got to be prepared and know what direction it's going to go. You know, I I don't want to be out here trying to find my way around or be wondering. I don't want to be lost on track, things like that. So I put together a a pretty decent sim and then I turned a lot of laps in it. But I was kind of given some advice. Don't spend too much time in the sim because the track for this is not a laser scan. You don't want to start developing bad habits and really trying to look for the nuances of the track. So just know exactly where the track's going to go and then cut it off there. And so that's what I did. I think that's that's definitely smart advice. There are always going to be subtle differences. I, mean, I am talking to you here after just your first session. So let's, let's be honest, you haven't had a, a lot of laps under your belt yet, but I'm interested for that initial perspective, how close did a set of Corsa actually come out and has it been as helpful as you thought? Even more helpful than I thought it would be. I am blown away with how accurate the track map felt compared to real life. Honestly, the only real difference that I feel immediately is the sense of scale. And it's backwards from what I expected. I expected the track in real life to feel even bigger than it does on the simulator, but it was the inverse. It feels a little bit smaller. And I don't think that's problematic. It's really just kind of an observation. But otherwise, I mean, the tracks go in the exact direction. You know, all of the turns feel exactly as they did. The line feels accurate. The line that I've practiced in the sim really feels translatable to real life. I feel like I shortcutted having to spend even a couple of days out here practicing I got that out of the way. So now I can come out here and I can focus on the car and the way that the car feels and focus on getting faster. Do you want to take your car knowledge game to the next level? Join us in the next free lesson at hpacademy.com slash free and start developing your own skills today. Yeah, I, I, I've used iRacing and a set of courses myself to practice tracks that I'm going to that I've never raced on before. And I think what it means is that at the end of one stint, you're kind of at least in the ballpark or up to speed rather than wasting an entire day kind of finding your way around. In terms of the car setup that you were using in a set of Corsa, did you use something generic or did you go a little bit further and actually sort of develop something with similar characteristics, power, gear ratios, et cetera, to the Ferrari? So I have a buddy who's working on like a carbon copy model of the Ferrari with the drivetrain and all the characteristics and stuff. It's not done yet. So I really just tried to play it safe. And I went with cars that people have told me are some of the better driving and better kind of programmed ones within Assetto Corsa. So I just kind of stuck to those and focused more on learning the track and less about how to drive the track, if that makes sense. I think one of the advantages if you've got 
an absolute carbon copy of the car is not only are you learning the track, but you're going to get a sense of you know, where your braking points are because the, the speeds will be similar and also really importantly, what gear you should be in for a certain part of the track and you can start yeah. playing around with those things. But obviously there's, there's limitations here on, on what you can achieve. Okay, so in terms of the setup of the car at the moment, you know, th there's the potential to make a, a thousand horsepower. Yeah, there are thereabouts. I'm, I'm guessing that's probably not what you're running for your first session. Not at all. So right now we're on low boost. So we're running 14 PSI, 12 to 14 PSI. It's making 640 at the wheels. And I mean, it's still wicked fast. I mean, coming out of the last turn and just barreling down the straight that first time standing on it and just going, it was, it was a hold on tight moment. It's definitely the fastest I've gotten to drive the car. We don't have a straight like this back home, but also just a rewarding moment to stand on it and have it do what it's meant to do was awesome. So just kind of, you know, learning those aspects of the car, the aspects that I haven't gotten to feel yet and feeling it out. Now, I follow your YouTube channel and you've made uh, quite a few points that you're not a professional racing driver and you're not expecting to be on the podium here. Do you feel, though, with such a, a large following on social media, sort of a, a certain amount of pressure from your followers to, to maybe overperform where you think you can get to? I mean, I think anybody in my shoes would probably feel some sense of pressure where it's, a, you know, there's so many eyeballs watching and, you know, if you come out here and you go slow, you'll, you'll, you know, look or feel stupid or something. And I'm sure some people might kind of look down and if, you know, if I turn the slowest lap in my group, but for me, it's like, Hey, I'm here. I built my car. It showed up. We're turning laps and I'm having fun. So I don't really care about any of that. As long as I improve from my first lap to my last lap, I'm excited. I'm just trying to become a better driver and a better car builder. And overall, I'm just, you know, Ian told me when we first kind of started chatting about bringing the car out here, I said, hey, this car's untested. This is going to be an 8,000 mile from home test session more than anything else. And he says, hey, as long as you're going to come and have fun, I want it here. So, Oh, well, you're smiling at this stage, which is really all we can ask, right? Oh, man, I'm having so much fun already. I, I joked as soon as I got out of the car, Ian was standing there and I said, how do I plan on coming back next year already? So, I'm, I'm interested. This is probably a, a tricky question given, as we've already talked about, a, a relatively small amount of testing time at the moment. But with such a big project, is there anything looking back now that you sort of wish you'd done different or would have changed if you could start again knowing what you know at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think realistically, the more that I learned about the Ferrari chassis and how it was built, was it was definitely a don't meet your heroes moment. You know, even knowing now, like, now I know how an F40 is built. I would never want to see underneath one, you know? But overall, I'm happy with how the car has turned out for the most part. There's not anything that I... I don't have any regrets. I think if I were going to do something differently, I would have just tube chassis the car from the get-go because what I had to work with only got worse and worse as I got further and further into it. But I'm happy with the car as a whole and... I guess it's one of those things that sort of you start and as you go deeper and deeper and find how bad maybe that original Ferrari chassis is, uh, you're sort of so far down the path that it would almost be difficult to back up and start again with a cheap chassis. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm not going to cut it up and start back over. That'll just be the next project. Speaking of that next, next project, nice segue there. Uh, we spoke off camera a little bit earlier about uh, sort of what you do to sort of decide on the next project or keep your followers happy and you know maybe one up the Ferrari is that something you feel like you need to do or is it just going to be a different project and that's absolutely fine and I know you've already got a couple on the go yeah I mean I think there's always that back of your head of you know did I peak early right you know it's for me it's you know it's my first time out here for something like this and, and so it's how do you do the next build better how do you keep you know your audience engaged you know I'm not the type of guy who's going to sit here and say the next car has to be crazier, wilder, more powerful, anything like that. I'm here building cars because it's what I love to do. 
And I think as long as I'm enthusiastic about what I'm building, that's what will resonate with my audience and they'll want to keep watching me do it. I have a lot of development and refinement and certainly fixes to make on the Ferrari as we go forward for you know the next number of years. And I'm also thinking about what that next project's going to be. Will it be bigger and better? I don't know if it'll be better, but I definitely kind of touching back on the last point. I'm going to go tube chassis next time, I think. I mean, I think the point you just made there, does it need to be better? No, it's just going to be different and that's absolutely fine. All right, Mike, great to chat, great to catch up and really good to actually see the car out turning laps in anger. Uh, very early in the World Time Attack weekend, so we wish you all the best. And uh, if our followers want to also see more in-depth footage and maybe they've been hiding under a rock and haven't seen your channel, we'll link to that in the description as well. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to leave a review on whatever platform you've chosen to listen to it on. It goes a long way to help us getting the word out there. All these conversations and much more are also available in full on our High Performance Academy YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe. It's a one-stop shop when it comes to going faster, stopping quicker, and cornering better.